Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. This is the Monkey Tooth Podcast, and I'm your host, Andrew Couch. And with my wife, Tiffany Couch, we're doing this thing every other week. It is right now kind of late March. We are leaving May the 1st. Not a whole heck of a lot of time left. And what we're leaving to do is drive our custom-built Sprinter van from the Bay Area of California to Alaska, where we'll spend some time, and then we're going to turn around and go all the way down to Argentina and maybe back. Um, That's going to take about two years. And in the meantime, we're doing podcasts with people doing fun and interesting things. So before we leave, we've got friends and neighbors and just people that we know are cool in this area to sort of iron out the kinks, make sure we know what we're doing with this podcast. I'd love to hear back from you. If you're out there listening to this thing, tell me how we're doing. I hope the audio quality is cool. Hope everything's good. I want to hear from you. Please tell me what you think. Unless what you think is uncharitable, then keep it to your fucking self. Okay, the guy we're talking to today, JT. He is the VP Vice President of Bakery Operations at Simi Freddy's Bakery in Alameda, California. This bakery is enormous. It's uh, like a green bakery, which is kind of cool. Lots of natural light. Um, they recycle tons of stuff. Uh, they use as little water as possible, and they use a lot of recycle a lot of their water. Really, really cool place. JT took us on a tour once. Uh, Very impressive. And their bread is still amazing, which is, you know, a lot of times you associate large production with lower quality. Not the case. I'm not doing an ad for Semi Freddy's. I'm not getting paid by Semi Freddy's. I just think their bread's great. And I think their VP of bakery operations is a cool motherfucker. JT is the kind of guy who can uh, operate this intense machine all these different moving parts get bread out get all these different products just fine and at the same time he's creative and a lover and an interesting character he traveled the world and fell in love and you're going to hear all about that it's a uh, it's a kind of sweet wild story to me so i hope you enjoy it as much as we did uh also just a little bit more context with jt he uh, baked for uh, the Bakers Guild of America, the Team USA baking team, and he won gold at a competition in 2011 in Italy. Anytime you can go from the U.S. and win something in Italy that relates to food, I think that's a pretty strong accomplishment. I have a lot of respect for Italians and their ability to cook delicious stuff. So to go over there, our pal JT represented. Very glad he did. Thank you for your service, JT. Thank you for your bread. Okay. Coming up, Mr. J.T. Enjoy. We're live. We're recording right now. Okay. Yeah. I'm in uh, John Treadgold. Right. Treadgold. Treadgold. It's, it's funny when you know someone as, like I've got a friend whose name is, his name is Sean, but I just call him Shooter. And to call him Sean, I've never called him Sean. You yeah, know? to hear my name, John Treadgold. Yeah, to call you so, John Treadgold. So the only JT. thing I say at the bank or something. You know? Right. <laughs> your, your co-workers call you JT. Yeah. Everybody calls you Everyone JT. Everyone calls me JT. We're in San Your daughter India. calls me JT. Your yeah. daughter calls you JT. Yeah, she doesn't call me dad. That's hilarious. <laughs> hey, JT. That's taking it all the way, man. When like your your offspring call you by your nickname, that's yeah. full commitment to nicknamery. Well, I call her Bean. I never call her Asia. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's a pretty hip. People say, How, how's Asia? And I said, oh, Bean's fine. <laughs> and great. I say, hey, what's up, Bean? That's cute. 
How long have you been doing that? Just her whole life? As long as she's been able to... Yeah, first day she came out, we called her Bean. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. She was purple. And she had the umbilical cord around her neck. Whoa. So, you know, baby's popping out. It's purple. And the cord, the cord is around her neck. So she was getting delivered, you know. Something got trapped there. And then the doctor was like, okay, it's, it's normal blue, purple, pink. You know. Wow. Yeah. They do come out with a really strong color, if you know what I mean. Yeah. If I ever see your first kid, they don't come out pink and white with blood. I'm going to take your word for yes. it. Yes. I'm just going to believe you. So she's Bane and JT. Bane and JT. Uh, she's 25, 27? Yeah, 25. 25, wow. Yeah. 26, sorry. Man, a quarter century of kid. That's <laughs> a quarter century of kid. That's intense. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Well, here we are. Yeah. And beautiful, sunny San Leandro. Uh, everything's good. We're swimming. Yeah. Uh, so for those people who don't know you, who are you? What do you do? <laughs> <laughs> well, who am I? So we'll, we'll, stay with, we'll, we'll stay with who am I. Some days I'm someone and some days I'm someone else. I've recognized mm. that I'm not one personality. Hmm. Uh, I can switch and morph between my personalities depending on my situation. Sure. I think that's who I am. I don't have one way of thinking or living or, uh, I I like to think of myself as somebody that can morph into any situation. Yeah. Whether it be professional, um, relationships, um, I don't have, I'm not one of these people that have <clears throat> a checklist. If, if I don't have a checklist for somebody that can be my friend or somebody right. that can, I don't have a checklist of what a good neighbor is. Yeah. Well, that's how I got into yeah. your friend network by yeah. the, your low standards. <laughs> no, it's just like, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Sure. There's no checklist for somebody yeah. to be welcomed in my life or somebody that I want to be friends with or close with. Mm. Um, so then you don't shut, shut any doors, you know? Yeah. Because, yeah, I met you guys a year and a half ago, mm. you know? And uh, it was one of those chance things. I mean, you were living next door, so it became a sort of a natural thing. Right. But it could have been very much like some of my neighbors here. There's a neighbor seen. down the road there that... Seems like a really nice guy, but I have no interest in being his friend hmm. or hanging out, even saying hello. We sure. we just do the neighborly sort of head nod. Right, yeah. And that's it. And we're both okay with that. Yeah. And then some neighbors here I'm really close with. Yeah. And you've, you've lived in a lot of places. Is that a universal, the, the neighborly head nod? Uh, is, that a, is that something that you see in Turkey? No. No. That's an American thing? Um, yeah. Or, or a in, Western um, thing, maybe? I don't know. Here, it might be a Western thing, not necessarily American. Yeah. Like in the UK, you definitely have this the civil way of interacting in the street. It's very similar to here. Yeah. 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 Um, in fact, I said, the last time I saw my, my sister, she lives in London, um, I said, you guys, the one thing that British people have that you must preserve is this wonderful way of being civilized with each other in the street even with perfect strangers. Yeah. But they're losing that. And it's not here. It, it's 
pretty much gone here. What um, What would you say is the difference? What's the like? I I could stop. People might walk past my house. I recognize them, and we'll talk. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's some there's some connection because we both live in this neighborhood, or we both recognize each other's faces. So there's sure. a comfort in saying hello and a bit more discussion. Right. But uh, in England, in a pub, in a in a grocery store, people will start conversations with total strangers. In the, in, in, with total strangers. Yeah. And saying, "Oh, look at the price of butter. What do you think of that?" You know, <laughs> yeah. even it might be very simple and practical, right. but then there will be a civilized joke about the price of butter here if i started talking to somebody at safeway about the price of butter yeah it, it wouldn't be accept it would it would be seen as strange why why are you talking to me mm. do i know you yeah that's why people always look at me funny because i just i tend to do that i talk to strangers all yeah. the time people but. talk at bus stops in england you know what yeah. i mean sure so there's a and uh, the larger commonality of countrymen versus like the commonality of your neighborhood. You, know, you can be yeah. friends with your neighborhood, but if you live in another neighborhood, just pass by on the street. Yeah, yeah, keep yeah. Your... yeah you're anonymous. Like, there's no eye contact here. Yeah, yeah. I kind of, I, I like you, I can go between both worlds. I feel perfectly comfortable being completely anonymous yes. and not saying anything and sort of just blending in with the, in the background. But, you know, uh, there's something about just sort of engaging with a stranger and then you're, you're off the hook. You know, you can just... Be yourself, and you're, you know, you're gonna just kind of touch points and move along, and never see one another again, and you can just share a moment, which I've always kind of liked. I'm one of those. I tend to offer anytime I check out at a grocery store, I do it every time. I ask the, the clerk, and if there's someone bagging, okay, would either of you like a little candy, a little piece of chocolate? They got all that little chocolate and that impulse shit that is mm-hmm. right, right there at the counter. Just ask anybody. You know, Nine out of ten times they say no, but every once in a while someone's like, well, yeah, that'd be great, you know. It's kind of a, but people definitely think you're an oddball. Yeah. <laughs> you do that. They're like, well, what's your angle? Yeah. Like, uh, if I gave them candy what, out yeah, of my pocket. Yeah, what do you pocket, want you from know, me? Yeah, if I gave them candy out of my pocket, I would for sure hope they would say no, but it's their candy. They're selling it. I'm just trying <laughs> to buy you one of your pieces of candy. Yeah. Right. So you are, uh, you're jumping back and forth between any environment feeling pretty comfortable uh, that's one thing yeah. that immediately struck me about you is you're just you seem comfortable wherever you are you know it's a good trait that uh makes you trustworthy you just feel trustworthy mm-hmm. it takes thought to to act civilized hmm. <laughs> yeah i think that one might go hand in hand with the other so let me ask you this sorry to, to jump yeah. what would your and it's always weird to put somebody on the spot with a definition but how would you define civilized what would you say where would you say the line between civilized and uncivilized <laughs> lies in your your estimation? Um, like the fact of a total stranger offering a total stranger help lifting bag into their car. Yeah. Um, simple uh, simple acts. Hmm. Simple acts. You know, real con- eye contact with people in the store. Yeah. Um, even the you know I always go into a store wherever I am. And often they want to rush you through the checkout and sure. I say, good evening, how are you doing? And they're like, oh, I'm doing okay, how are you? And, I, and I'll, be, I'll say something that's real. I'll say, I'm not having the best day. Right. <laughs> Give an honest <laughs> and, answer. And sometimes that will go into a conversation and sometimes that will, that, that will, that will oh. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> It'll be twelve ninety nine. Thanks. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, no, so I mean my neighbors here. Some neighbors here are, are very uh, conservative and maybe feel embarrassed to say hello. So hmm. uh, I respect that, and sure. I don't, you know, just recognizing the person in front of me and and yeah. and what is what would they consider appropriate and friendly. What, what would they consider? Not just I, I, I'm not allowed to just be myself all the time. Hmm. I think that that's where people want to be. Well, this is just who I am, and this is the way I am. This is the way I look. Right. You know, I think to be civilized, you got to like look around and and look at what could be what what's going to get me what's going to get me a good interaction with a person rather than just well this is who I am and just give me that sort of way. Right. I just want you for something. I just want to pay you money so I can leave the grocery store or, mm. or, you know, I just want you to, you know, get off my lawn because your dog's on it. <laughs> you know, if the dog walks on my, on my, what's the big deal? Raccoons walk on it all night long. Right. Yeah. What's, um, they, and they're not picking up their shit. No. They're leaving that's it. That's right. You know, and feeding the microbes and the bugs and things yeah. living in your grass. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's recognizing the environment around you and, and, and yeah. what, what's appropriate here. Hmm. Whether I agree with it or not, it doesn't matter. Oh, man. So in the room with us right now is my little dog, and he's just farted in the corner, and it is uncivilized, to say the least. But in a dog's life, in a dog's world, that's the you very just little lit it. civilized yeah. <laughs> Fortunately, JT is a man, a civilized man himself, and is opening two beautiful windows and airing us out. But so, yeah, in, in New Orleans, like, they teach you as a kid, you know, that a lot of the, the kids that were in the neighborhood, there was a value. Like, like, I would see, I saw a mother walking her little, with her little boy, and the little boy, um, like an older neighbor said hi, and he didn't say anything. And she snatched him. She's like, mm. boy, you say hi to Mrs. Jones. And so, so oh, yes, ma'am, hey, Mrs. Jones. And it made a point of it, that you speak to your neighbors, and you're, you're friendly. Because, I mean, in New Orleans, especially, you're going to suffer a power outage at some point you're going to have a hurricane you're going to need some help you're going to need your neighbors yes. so it, it you know never mind even just needing them it's just a good thing to be friendly you're going to party with your neighbors they party a lot they have a good kind of celebratory type of culture you know so it's still alive in the in the states you know there is civility but um, you know it's I can see it flying out the window especially if people are busy you're in your car all the time you know you Especially around here, a lot of people are real high. You come out of your apartment or your house, you're a little stoned. You just maybe don't want to have a conversation with your neighbor. You know, you're trying to try to keep your eyes down and just get your paper. And you're maybe in your. I see a lot of people in their pajamas. That's a big thing up in Sonoma County. I've never lived anywhere where so many people are wearing their pajamas all the time. Like yeah. Middle of the day, like man, pajamas. Yeah. I think some of my civilized thoughts. Um, also come from my father too. Hmm. What was what was your father? What did he do? He was uh, he was a regular guy. He was in World War Two. Came out of World War Two in the Navy and then joined the Civil Aviation Authority in the UK, which later became all these British airports. Yeah. And did fine for himself. Got got the government pension and all. Got got the got what he thought was 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 great for him. Yeah. Um, but he had a lovely way of uh, being civilized, which I've tried to adopt at certain times in my life, but it's not 
quite me. So I've taken from him. Right. You know. Made it your um, own. Like I will stand. Obviously, you go, in, you go into a store and you open the door. And if there's somebody right behind you, you'll, you'll hold the door for that person. For sure. But I'll hold the door for somebody that's 20 feet behind me. Or I wait by the door and then I'll open the door and the ladies will say, oh, I'm actually taking some of my personal time to stop right. and make sure I'm acting gentlemanly. Without just, I need to go in the store. I'm in the store, great. Right. It's like, oh, there's a, here comes a lady with right. her son. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll just hang by the door for a few seconds and I'll just open the door. And yeah. she'll walk in. Um, and I've always, every once in a while, somebody says, why? Well, thank you very much. And yeah, I said, surprised. Oh, my, oh, and my father would expect nothing less. Yeah. You know? Um, now that's a beautiful way to look at it. Yeah. He, you, say uh, that, you say that out loud. My yeah, father. tell them. My father would accept... Would, would, that's cool. Would accept nothing less because huh. it's like, um, yeah, yeah, he was the sort of person that would open the car door for my mom, mm. and I and and often and I always do that for my partner. I open the car door, mm. and uh, sometimes when I'm walking around, I watch people, and I watch this guy gets in his truck or his car, and his wife's struggling with the bag and the baby, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and he's yeah. already in the car, and mm. I go like, oh, you you could, you, you mm. could you could decide to act a little differently and, mm-hmm. and, and the world would be a better place. Yeah. Yeah. And so you've lived and no in... pajamas. My <laughs> father would never be seen in never. That would be totally unacceptable. Yes. Even yes. jeans were a little bit unacceptable for my father. Those were work yeah. yeah my, the jeans were for painting. Right. So he yeah. had a, one pair of jeans in his whole life and he wore them as a fash as a as a as a pants mm-hmm. or a pantalon or whatever. Um and that was in the 70s, and I kind of remember him wearing those, but it didn't last long. Yeah. It was back to his slacks and his button-down. blazer, button-down mm. shirt. Yeah. Dapper. Yeah, it would never thought it was dreadful not to shave. If you want to have a beard, fine, but then you should shave every morning when you get up. Mm. Yeah, you shave every day. Yeah. None of this half stuff. Yeah, no. one or the other. No, no. It's a, those are interesting values that I think they are, you know, they're obviously not what you're basing your whole life on, mm-hmm. but they kind of pinpoint the borders of how you behave, you know, like, yeah. I, so I, you've lived in major metropolitan areas. I, I moved from Memphis, Tennessee to New York when I was 18. And, uh, you know, I grew up in a pretty, uh, my dad was a gentleman. And my mom is one of the nicest people on the planet. So I was mm. raised with that ethic of being kind. And um, the first time I experienced this, I, I'd held the door for someone. And it, for me, I, I don't care who's coming in behind me. It could be a big muscle-bound guy. It could be a lady with a kid. I'm just going to hold the door. And it's just, just a courtesy. I don't mm-hmm. really think of it in the context of being kind to a woman or anyone. It's just you're the person behind me. I'm just going to catch that door for you, <laughs> you know, instead of a door slamming in your face. But I was chided. By a um, by a woman for having held the door. I can I've got it. I can get the door for myself. And and it was clear that her to her I was being patronizing, which was certainly not my intention. But I understand where you're coming from. I don't mean to patronize. It just it's just a door and they they swing <laughs> closed. And I, I got here first, to, so I yeah. can hold it. So and I it, so mm. I was a little when I was younger. I didn't quite get that it's okay to be chided. Sure. For something, if you your should. intentions are, you know, your intentions are your intentions, and 
all the time, your intentions are going to be misinterpreted. It's going to happen constantly throughout your life. At the swing of a door is the least consequential of your misunderstandings. So uh, there was a, t- a brief time in my life where I would not do it. I would kind of almost go out of my way to just be like, well, I respect your, you know, your independence as a human being. You can get that door yourself. And then I was like, that's just not how I want to be. I-, I-, I would rather apologize for sorry for hurting your feelings by holding this door, but I'm holding the door anyway. But I really like yours. My father would expect no less. Yeah. That's kind of, uh, it's like, you're, uh, it's not even that I'm just doing this for you, but I'm doing it to uphold a value that's been passed down yeah. from generation. That's kind of a, that's a nice way to look at it, you know? Yeah, I, um, I didn't learn a lot from him. Yeah. I, well, I didn't realize what I'd learned from him until maybe way 15 later. years ago, way later in life. Hmm. How long um, ago did he pass? Oh, seven years. Hmm. Six, five. You're wearing his I don't glasses. record things like that. Are those his glasses? That you have no, on? no, but they're similar to similar his last ones. pair. Yeah, those are great. Uh, you yeah. wear, what are they, turtle shell or what are they? Uh, turtle shell, yeah, yeah, which he would never wear. He always wore a black rim, heavy black glasses. Rim, yeah. yeah, kind of. They're cool. Uh, nice. If anybody listening knows, um, those of a, a, a British gentleman called Alan Wicker. I think he was a journalist or, an in, or a guy would do like late night interviews and stuff. Yeah. Pete, my father would often get confused with Alan Wicker. Oh, he looked like... It, that comes from that yeah. 60s generation of the mm. heavy black rim yeah. interview glasses. Or, you know, the, the journalist the, thing. The pleated slacks, the perfectly crossed, yeah, very little earnest. cravat. And the a, cravat, yeah. It was silk cravat from France and, you know, yeah. <laughs> the yeah. blazer. It's a hip look, man. You yeah, gotta, it is now, huh? Mm, yeah, you got to be pretty confident <laughs> to pull that off now, you know. That's great. See, I could do that. I could totally put a shirt. If somebody, if yeah. I had that clothing, I could totally wear that persona, and my father would probably come out a bit more. I'll bet. Yeah. That's really cool. <laughs> like this particular fella walks around all day long singing, shine. Sleep in the shade. Life don't bug him Cause he thinks he's got it made Talking about getting chided I think that's another thing that's missing Is it was very common for me Growing up to be Told I was misbehaving By a total mm. stranger walking down the street Oh really? Yes. Yeah, that's a good one. It didn't have to be your school teacher or your or your or your yeah. aunt. It was like it was very common. I'd be in a store or louds with my friends after school, and this this the, 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 we used to call them sweet shops. Like the tobacconist would say, "Hey, you boys, be quiet in here and behave yourselves." Hmm. You know, and that was, you'd be like, "Okay, yes, sir, sorry." Okay. <laughs> and then we'd be quiet. Yeah, because we're four or five of us in the store getting crazy after school. Yeah, and the shopkeeper would like shout us down. Or riding on the bicycle on the sidewalk. Mm. People would tell me, get your bike off the sidewalk. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, there was, there was again, they were trying to enforce a, a yeah. civil way of, you know. Getting along. I think the com- most common one Americans maybe suffer from is they get confused with a, a culture's behavior with being rude. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Taking it personally. Yeah you, yeah, you might get that if, if you're in Turkey. You, you, you that might feel are... that they're they're being rude to you, but mm. but it's it's it. 
they're not thinking about you. It's <laughs> not, not even, yeah. You're not even a concern. They're not being rude. Right. It's just, it's just, um, well, you know, like you're going to, let's say you're going to go, you go into a woman's clothing store here. Mm-hmm. And somebody will greet you and act like they're your best friend and they're, right. they're there to make your day great and and they, they they sort of pretend to be interested in your day and all this sort of sure, thing. Sure. Going to a clothing store there and, and and there'll be an associate sitting at the desk or in a chair and they won't immediately sort of come to you and, and comfort you. Hmm. Make you feel welcome in the no, store. No, you just yeah. walk around and they might not say anything for... Uh, might not say anything to you ever um, yeah and we've walked in many a store and uh, looked around and um, maybe Sarf has a question about a dress or a skirt or something because there's no price and we'll go to the and they'll just say it's 30 lira yeah okay. they're just waiting on the question they're yeah. not trying um, to sell they're no just, no no they're yeah. not trying to sell and they're not trying to pretend to be happy to see you you know yeah <laughs> you go to a mall because every you know every every country now builds shopping malls you right. go to a mall and it's very western hmm. you're going to a mall and people will be there and they'll be greeting you and smiling at you just as if you're going right. to Macy's here yeah or even more I mean Macy's is quite an unpleasant place but <laughs> you go to most stores and somebody will yeah. greet you you know yeah um, no not there it's uh, it's um but there is a warmth and a comfort there, which is uh, the, the area that I've been spending time in is, is a lot of different cultures there. So this is not like I'm in this village and it's only the you know, dominant historical traditions that happen. Right. Uh, the, the neighborhood I've been spending time in, it's quite a lot of Russians. It's only three hours from Moscow. Hmm. So it's kind of treated as... Uh, your weekend retreat. You buy a, you buy an apartment by the Mediterranean and you fly down from Moscow. It's only wow. three hours flight. Wow. It's like us flying down a Baja or right. Or the East Coast flying to Puerto Rico sort of yes, thing. Yes, it's sort of like let's right. get away from the weekend and yeah. go south for you know. So there's a lot of uh, <clears throat> a lot of people from Saudi, Saudi Arabia, uh, Iran, Ukraine. Um the neighborhood I'm in, you walk around and you'll see like a real estate agent. Yeah. And it will have English, uh, Russian, and Arabic signage. Yeah. You know, buy your dream home here in all these all languages. All these different languages. Yeah, and you in the neighborhood I'm in, you walk around and you can tell because yeah. these are very these are very stereotypical featured featured from, stereotypes yeah. are from some reality and you yeah. you know and i obviously don't look like a turkish guy because you don't have long hair if you're a turkish guy it's not happening no beards beards for sure more mustaches or no uh not not too much beards but, uh depends like if you're 20 mm-hmm. um you've got the nikes on you've got sure. the ripped jeans and you and you look like uh summing off of uh, youth American culture, right, right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't guess that person. Sure, was um, necessarily Turkish natural or whatever. You no, so natural. it's it, it's not the sort of country that you can base it on clothing, right? Um, yeah, and Russian people are are um, quite a quite a dominant force down there too. Yeah. Um, 
Just, and then people from Iran use Turkey as kind of a getaway. To be a little bit more liberal. A little bit experience. more liberal. Maybe yeah. you want to go to a bar, and a restaurant, and drink some wine with dinner, which is normal for most people. But, yeah. you know, it's not happening there. Yeah. Or, um, or you want to go to a church, which you can't. You know, right. Or you, um, you just want to, uh, you know, not walk down the street. You want to walk down the street with your hair flowing let's say, which you still can't do there. Right. Um, and there's a lot of restrictions on movement. So I could see Turkey being a freer place. Yeah. Um, you can get your... And I, know, I know of some people that from Iran that actually travel to Turkey for shopping. Really? Yeah. Just because you can get a more... A wider variety, just or wider it... variety of goods. Because um, do the sanctions have? Yeah, an some American on... products you can't get, and if you right. can get, you know they're fake. They're faked. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, no, just a wider, just a wide, just a more westernized way of being. Yeah. And I could. And, do we have products? What do we... <laughs> they just have an American label on them, but they're made elsewhere? I was just wondering, like, wait, what product are we exporting? Do we? Have... <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah, but, I'm um, thinking um, every American product that I can think of is made like in Berkeley, or you know, they're just these. They're, they're very dom- They're very. Uh, they're very self-sufficient. So you go to a clothing yeah. store there, and almost everything's made in Iran or Azerbaijan right. or something sure. local. And you know, people want, you know, Tommy Hilfiger For and sure. stuff. And so, and want you want the mall experience, right. and they want the Mediterranean mm. Sea. So it's a whole package. To, yeah, um, the South Coast is uh, what it's um, very westernized. What do you want out of Turkey? Are you, uh, you feeling like telling me that story? Well, Turkey goes way back for me. It was the first country that I thought when I was just backpacking around, I got to Turkey and uh, I really, really just liked being there. You were quite young when you took yeah. that trip, right? How like 19. Yeah. You did the sort of around the world type of... No, I didn't get around the world. This is, there's always something, there's always seems to be something in the way that... that make it pull. Yeah. So it, when I was young, all my friends, we had, you know, we had a good group of friends that were in our teenage years. Yeah. And... The, the travel goal back then was either you went into Europe or you went to India. Right. Now, you went to India really just for cheap living mm. and to smoke hashish, which is what everybody was doing sure. in London at the time. There wasn't all these other drugs available. Yeah. So uh, I had a bunch of friends that went to India for four months, came back, so it was the best thing ever, and some of them went back a few times. Yeah. And... Uh, I said to myself, okay, you know, I'm going to do that too, but I'm going to do it a longer version of it. I'm not just going to fly there. So when I got to Turkey, uh, I had some problems with money and a passport went missing, so I had to come back. Yeah. And then when I came back, I, I met somebody here, and, you know, that takes another turn. So throughout my whole life, they've been trying to get further east than that. Yeah. <laughs> so last uh, last. Two, two years ago, I decided I was going to go to India and Nepal, but then reality sets in. I can't go, I can't spend 10 days in this gigantic country. I've got to, I've got to pick one. 
and spend a month there at least and sort of get my toe wet again because I got sucked into living and career and money sure. and mortgages and I was willing to sort of like put that drive aside and just say I'm just going to go somewhere for a month yeah and I'm going to go to Nepal and it was a good time of year yeah and uh, so I decided to to go to Nepal with just a backpack again and sleep in hostels and just have no plan and on the way there, I found a pretty good ticket, and it was uh, stopping in Dubai. And Dubai I'd never been to. It's not a place I really desperately wanted to go to. Um, but I was like, what, what the hell? So, yeah. But instead of doing that, you know, I actually look, look for flights with long layovers. I, I don't need to get off a plane and get back on the next one within three hours or I'm not looking at that flight. Yeah. So I looked at this flight and I was like, oh, you know, I could do a 22 hour. And then I thought, you know what? I, I, I looked further out. So I did a four day layover in Dubai and wow. just got a hotel. Yeah. And, and you know, there's so much hotel building in Dubai. It's cheap. It was $35 for a great four-star hotel. Wow. Um, and, uh, yeah, even the guy even the guy wanted to blow-dry my hair for me. I mean, the level of service in this hotel was insane. Wow. Yeah, I would see the, the porter in the hall, and, in, and he'd say, well, Mr. JT, how are you? And I'd say, I'm fine. You know, that civil life. Sure. Um, and uh, I said, I'm just going to go take a shower and wash my hair. And he said, oh, if you'd like me to come back later, I can blow dry your hair for you if you'd like. You know, and I wow. was like, thank you, but I'm fine. I got it. Yeah. I got it. So, I was at, so it was like, this is a good stop. So I did yeah. so, so walked around Dubai and got on the tram network and everything. Um, but the first day I got there, and I'm really excited. I got in this hotel and it was a long flight. And then I see this woman in the elevator. And, I, and it was one of these women that just make you stop and I stopped thinking about everything and I just saw this woman standing there and I was trying to sort of look at her and like, am I seeing this for real, you know? just acted very gentlemanly and I said I said hi I'm JT are you staying at this hotel and she said hi I'm so hello I'm Sarvanaz I'm on the fourth floor and uh, I think then we just we did also say I said she said where are you from I said you know California and I said where are you from because I couldn't quite pick it out I was close she said I I'm I'm from Iran and the door opened and she disappeared. Wow. And that was our only interaction. Wow. And I thought, oh my. And I thought, oh, that was great. That was one of those sweet moments yeah. that you often have. And I said, I think that one's going to stay with me for a while, you know. Yeah. It was great. A shared smile. A genuinely contact. like, oh, that's nice to you to say hello. And yeah. yeah. She's very warm and, and very beautiful and... And I was like, okay, so I instantly weighed up what just happened. You know, the door mm. closes. I was like, okay, 
young woman in the elevator alone, probably here with a husband. Who knows? She could have a kid. Right. She could be on a. Who knows who she is or what she is? But I sort of dreamt up this thing that she's prob. This woman is amazing. She's got to be with somebody, Someone. her husband or a boyfriend at the hotel. They right. come here for a weekend trip. Mm. That was my sort of quick little diary note about. Yeah. And then a couple of days later, I'm just hanging out, and I, and my connection for Nepal is coming up, and I think it was at noon on a Wednesday. So I went to the breakfast room like normal, got breakfast, and I got three hours to kill or something. And uh, then I hear this voice, and this where well, I see this, I see this woman with gorgeous black hair just out the corner of my eye, and she's got this blue blouse on. I, that's the first thing I see. Then something, I something about that glimpse. I just knew it was her, and she said, "Oh, hello. Do you remember me from the elevator?" And I was like, yes, I do. Yes, I do. And, but I, forgive me, I forgot your name. So I remember she was from Iran, but I couldn't remember her, her name. name. Yeah. Because it was one of those names I've never heard. So sure, it, sure. And, and, and it was one of those regrets I almost had after the interaction. I was like, oh, I can't even remember the woman's name. She, she just blew my mind. So, <laughs> so and then she was, this was great, because then she was very forward and said, could I sit with you and have breakfast? Wow. And I was like, please do. Please, yeah. And she's smiling and she's got energy and life and she seems quite excited about living and we're talking about the basics that you do of like where you're from, what are you doing here? Why are you here? When do you go? Hmm. And we were both flying out about noon. So this is both of our... And then we were talking and I was looking at the clock and she's like, what time do you got to go? And I was like, 11. And it was getting near 10, you know? Yeah. Like, okay, we got an hour then. And we were really just opening up to each other. And I told her my brief history and she told me hers. And she was in Dubai to go to the American embassy. That didn't work out so well. She was going back to Iran and I was on my way to Nepal. And then we decided just to split like uh, share uh, email addresses yeah. and I said I'm on Instagram because I'm going on this trip and I've signed up Instagram if you want to follow my trip yeah you know so as soon as I got to uh, oh and then in the hotel just as we left I'd only known this woman an hour and a half and then I I do this I actually ask I'm not afraid to ask I said would it be okay if I gave you a hug goodbye and maybe a kiss. And she said, she just sort of, there was, there was a body, there was a, there was a nod and a smile that said yes, you know? Yeah. So I kissed her on the cheek and gave her a, a hug and then we both didn't want to let go. Yeah. And then we have to take separate taxis because Dubai airport's weird. You, if you go into one terminal, it's on the other side of the airport. Sure, so, sure. So we have to take separate taxis and I thought, oh, okay. That was really sweet. What do yeah. I do now? Well, look like I'm going again. I can't seem to believe myself. Here I go.
Hopefully she'll say hello on Instagram or something. Yeah. So every post I sent on Instagram, she was like, ding, like, you know, <laughs> or would comment, you know. Sure, yeah. And then I had the best time in Nepal to the point where I was like, this is like Turkey. This is a place I could stay hmm. and just find my way around, you know. Um, yeah, so that was, that was quite incredible. Where all, you stayed in Nepal the whole time, didn't you? Kind of trekked around a bit as well, right? Yeah, well, I like Kathmandu. I really like the buzz of Kathmandu. Um, but then people said, "Oh, you have to go to this lake called Pokhara." What's so, it called? Po- Pokhara, Pokhara. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I mean, it's not much. I mean, Nepal is pretty small. Yeah, I mean, it really, is pretty small. And it's in uh, really harsh terrain. So it's not like they got freeways and roads sure. going everywhere. So basically there's this one main road that goes up the middle of the country. Yeah. <laughs> and or the one highway. Yeah. And uh, Pokhara's uh, ends at this lake. And it's, a, it's kind of a destination for everybody. Um, there's nice houses on the lake. There's lots of temples there. You can go paragliding, you can swim in the river, you can take a yeah. boat out and have a picnic. It's a very easy place to just spend time. Sure. So we got there and found out this great place to stay with his family. And that, it was great. Yeah. It's called um, Ice House Pocada, if anybody goes there. It's a Ice great House family. Bocada. Ice House Pocada. And uh, to wake up, got there in the evening, to wake up and get some tea or coffee and then um, you just look up and instead of looking up at like a house or a tree there's just the Himalayas there just and just breaking out of the clouds yeah and you're like I can't this can't be real this cannot be real you know 20,000 plus foot peaks just just standing just, there yeah and there's just there's just this for 180 degrees just peaks and snow wow. and peaks and snow and some mornings you wouldn't know they were there because the fog, fog was so heavy. yeah and then at 4 p.m every day the monsoon rains would drop and that was so much fun because yeah, it's one yeah. of those places that floods within 30 minutes of the yeah. roads are flooded and so um, it's one of those places like you know you're, if you're going to stay out in the monsoon rains and just there's no clothing you can wear to keep you dry or an umbrella's pointless. Yeah. Um, so every afternoon I'd be doing something and it'll be like, oh, here comes the rain. And it's not that you don't run for shelter. You just you just get soaking just wet. Get soaked. And then you walk through the flooded streets and it's mm. great. And then that yeah, was a great experience. It's a cool thing to take pleasure in getting soaked yeah. involuntarily yeah children do it all the time with hoses and stuff yeah. we don't do it enough as we adults. don't no <laughs> I, there was a, um, a, a brief aside in a Tom Robbins book he described you know getting rained on and one of the characters was you know, doing that hunch yeah. thing you do when you hunch but he observed two other people just just walking normally through yeah, the rain yeah. he was like why am I hunching it's, they're not, I'm not getting any less wet and those people are just walking at a normal exactly. clip across the street. Uh, I, I try to remind myself of that when I'm getting rained on. Like, oh, it's just, you will dry off. Yeah, the you first monsoon to... rain that yeah. came, I was like running between shelters and, and, and canopies. Yeah. 
and like four seconds in that rain and you're like I'm soaked okay well I'm, I'm already wet and then yeah. another four or five seconds and within a minute of that rain you're just drenched right so you may as well enjoy it yeah so it's yes. yeah you will so be I'd wet, actually you look forward to it mm. <clears throat> I kind of, it's got me looking forward to the next time I get rain done. Absolutely yeah. soaking wet. And it was warm too, so oh, which great. is another benefit. Yeah. Feels yeah. freezing cold, it might have a different feeling. Yeah. Hunching. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I might, I might say, like, muscle. screw it, I'm not going out. Yeah. Yeah, so Nepal was great. But uh, I kept thinking about Saravanasin and, like, you know, playing out those fantasies of, like, oh, maybe. Uh, Maybe I'll see her again. Maybe we'll go on a trip together or something. Just not really taking it too seriously, but just playing with it. So then I was communicating at this point in Skype, you know? Hmm. So I said to Saab, oh, looks like I've got another day in Kathmandu. That's not so bad, whatever. <clears throat> and uh, <clears throat> then she said something like, would you like to come visit Iran? She, she, she invited me to her home, you know? Wow. I was like, oh, wow. She wow it's like yeah wow so then i was went online i did and there was there's no uh there's no consulate mm. iran doesn't have a consulate in Kathmandu. Um, but they do in dubai and i had to fly back to dubai and then when I, I did some more research and i was like it's not gonna happen uh but then we talking more and i said okay well if you want to let's actually go on a trip somewhere where could you go and she has very restricted places that she can go with an Irani passport hmm. without yeah. a visa. Sure. Um, so here was our choices to meet up for the first time after the Dubai. Uh, Venezuela, you don't need a, they've got this deal with yeah. each other. Cause, yeah. uh, Venezuela, I said, mm, that's not gonna, that's not gonna happen. No. Um, the next one was uh, Turkey. And we thought, okay, Turkey, yeah, that could be good. Um, and then Armenia came up. And Armenia is a, a short hop for her. Extremely long flight for me. Yes. But I, I love flying. I love layovers. I love airport benches and yeah. $10 sandwiches. And <laughs> I, I love the whole airport scene. Yeah. I yeah. get to airports really early and people watch. You definitely seem to me like the type I, who can I love enjoy it. I don't care if the, the plane's process. delayed. Yeah. It's always, it's always fun. It's a good travel tip, folks. Yeah. Take a page from JT's book. Get into it. Yeah, there's no point in getting upset. If the plane's, not, if the plane's delayed, it's delayed. Uh, it's not the end of the world. It is not. Um, so we ended up with the Yerevan. She'd been to Armenia before. It was an easy trip for her. So I said, like, hey, I've never been to Armenia, so let's go. And uh, so we spent a week in Armenia, eight days in Armenia. This is your first time to hang out for yeah. more than three hours. Yes. You take an eight-day trip with a woman. Yeah. That is some and I, bold <laughs> shit, man. That's amazing. And we're That's in a hotel room, and we yeah. don't know, and we don't. We're not cooking, and we're not doing regular things. We right. just we just have we just have eight days of freedom just to get to know each other. That's right into it, man. Yeah. So he's like, <laughs> flew there and uh, greeted her at the front of the hotel. I wasn't quite sure even what to call her. Can I shorten your name to Sarev, or what do you you know? What? Yeah. 
uh, what kind of toothpaste do you like? Or I hope you <laughs> floss, you know. And, do you like showers or baths? Do you like to walk? Do you like camping? Do you like car camping? Mm. Do you like any type of camping? Yeah. No, none, we don't know anything about each other. Wow. Um, I just know that uh, that we're having a great time, you know. Mm. So that so then we had to split. Then we're like, okay, Yerevan, that was that was not the greatest place to visit for cultural and there's not a lot going on there. There's not a lot of vibe going on. It's, yeah. You know. It's a very old, quiet, old peaceful world. Old of. world, people are getting by and that's about it. And it's never shows up on the news, right? Sure. Yeah. So not much happening there. Um Then I said, Hey, I've always loved Turkey. Yeah. How about our next trip? Let's take another trip. And she's like, oh, I'm not sure. That was fun, but I'm not really sure. Um, like she didn't, even, she wasn't even quite sure. She never spent that much time with an American man before. Yeah. She wasn't quite sure what to expect, you know. And I would talk about. She would talk about her country, and I talk about mine, and and we'd be surprised at a lot of things, you know. Yeah. Um, so I said, let's go to Turkey. And then I said, I know Turkey well. I walked around the whole thing twice. Wow. And, uh, or busted around, you know. Yeah. I said, this place in Bodrums. I've never been a Bodrum because the, the, the Bodrum's one of these places. It's a little bit like her Carmel. Okay. Uh, seaside sort of. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of big cities in Turkey. And then there's a lot of small villagey sort of seaside sure. places. Oh. But Bodrum's got a nice mixture. It's not too small. It's got great. It's, it's got some really great hotels too. So I found this amazing hotel with a spa and all that. So then we did 12 days there. Wow. Uh, it's six weeks after Yerevan. I'm um, getting back on the plane. We go to, down to Bodrum. When I traveled around, and always avoided the, the, the high cost areas, and Bodrum's yeah. kind of one of them. Yeah. So we splurged and we did a great hotel, and, and it was in January, so there was almost nobody in this hotel. It was great. Yeah. Bodrum's really cool. <laughs> Bodrum, we're like, okay, what do we do now? I mean, what do we do now? What, what, what are we doing? What are we doing? In three months, we've gone on these two great trips. What yeah. do we do now? What are we supposed to do? I mean, what should we do? Yeah. And neither one of us had, you know, relationship obligations or anything. Or, yeah. It's a good spot to be in. Yeah. So uh, then we said, okay, let's do this. I said, why don't we look at renting an apartment in Turkey? You could live in the apartment and I could just drop by when I can. <laughs> so so I'm gonna hit I'm gonna hit pause in this. I just wanna take it back to you before I don't know if you mentioned this in our conversation now, but like when you were talking to me about going to Nepal in the first place, you were, you know, uh 
I would consider you an innately spiritual guy. Not that you're you're going to church or worshiping, but you have an innate spirituality. Like you're just sort of a soulful kind of uh, sensitive, passionate guy. And you were going to Nepal to like kind of clear your mind and, and, and experience something very different and sort of reset your life. And so you come back and you're like, I've met this woman. And it's like the most incredible but complicated sort of love um, scenario for love. Not necessarily imaginable, but it's a pretty, it's a heavy scenario that you've you've fallen in love with someone who is from, in the American government's eyes, the axis of evil. You know, so you've got this nearly forbidden, you can't be in the same she can't come to your country. You can't go to. She her. can't just come to California for two weeks. No, no. Not, and no. so, like, in an effort to like sort of clear your mind and do this simplification thing, you come back with this unbelievably complex <laughs> love, and it's an undeniable thing. You had the wherewithal to be like, look, I, love is love is love is love, and that's I'm feeling something other than what I was feeling when I left for Nepal. Yeah, and and, and so, which brings us to. Your solution to the problem, which is one of the reasons I think you're such a cool guy. Like, well, why don't we just rent an apartment in a foreign country that neither of us live in? And I'll just drop by when I can. <laughs> oh, that's incredible, man. I, I just, I know it's your experience, so it's hard to see it as so kind of, not necessarily crazy, but just sort of like a wild sort of out there thing. But boy, it's it's kind of... I get paid to not think. I, I get paid to... Um... People ask me what I do at work, but what I do is I get paid to disrupt everything that's yes. currently happening. Yes. And I do that with my own life. I disrupt any routine that I, even routines that I'm okay with. Yeah. Yeah. I try and disrupt them and, and, and not let them, I don't know what the word is. I try to disrupt the things at work. That's what I do. I'm the disruptor. Yeah. And, uh, and for me, anything imaginable is, is, like I was saying, I, I don't, I don't, I don't have a checkbox of right of how to do a relationship. It strikes me. That well, we don't live in the same country. Oh, we can't do this. Then. No, okay, yeah. we'll see you later. No. I'm going to go find somebody that lives no. in, lives in the Bay Area. Yeah, yeah, no, no. You, no. you, you strike me as the kind of person who um, I, I always thought like asking the unanswerable question is where innovation and creativity come from. I mean, you're not necessarily going to answer the unanswerable question, but you're going to find out other things yeah, on the way there. Way, man. We wouldn't have the germ theory of disease were it not for somebody asking much more complicated questions than are there little bugs that live inside you that make things work? You know, that you wouldn't answer those questions without ans- asking one that you can't answer. Yeah. And you're quite good at asking the unanswerable question with innovation, which is, that's a hip way to be. And that, that, that's the best job description I've ever heard you give, <laughs> is that you're this sort of disruptor in chief, I guess. Of disruptor your, of the norm. Yeah. I'm the disruptor of everything that's currently working well. My job isn't to solve problems that are going bad. It's to look at what's going well and, and, and shake it up. Yeah. Because if it's going well, we can probably improve it. For but we sure. ju- but but nobody wants to improve it be- or touch it because it's working fine. The status quo is yeah. that. For it a works fine. It makes money and people sure. are happy. Yeah. Why would you disrupt it? Well, we had to disrupt something before yeah. to get to this point where everybody thinks it's right. hunky dory. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yes, it was a normal thing. For, it was a no- it was a normal thought pattern to go. If I'm to spend time with this woman, what do I need to do? Yeah. 
And if I really don't want to, if I don't want this enough, then I won't, won't do it.、Mm. But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say that having an apartment in Turkey is oh that that's just, that's just crazy.、Uh, it's not that. No, it's not. You just go rent an apartment. Yeah. And if you don't、yeah. want to keep the apartment anymore, you stop renting it. It's nothing. It's just renting an apartment. <laughs> the fact that it's in another ten hours. Yeah. yeah. The fact that it's eight thousand miles away. Yeah. So this is what we and and、yeah. and 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 Sarv is open to. Was open to learning about what makes me click, and what, you know, it wasn't、sure. just like I want to be with this woman. It seemed to be, and it is. It's, yeah, it's. I'm really interested spending more time with you too. Of course, of course. And、uh, she had no real obligations in Iran that she had to stay there for her career or anything.、Um, and what does she do? She's、um, she's a she's a food technologist. Wow. Yeah. So. She、um, and specializing in flour and grains. Very interesting combo. <laughs> yeah, for,、uh, and I make bread and croissants. So yeah, a disruptive baker and a food genius. Food scientist. Yeah. yeah. So she's like, yeah, moving to Turkey sounds great. Yeah, yeah, I I can imagine that would sound pretty good. And、uh, and I say, well, I've got some credit at work, so I can take some more time off. So,、yeah. so we. Want to get you out of there? So we got in a rental car, and、uh, and the the town we were in, there's quite like I say, there's quite a few Iranians there, and、uh, we had a friend of a friend put us in touch with the real estate guy, and and he showed us some apartments and negotiated the price, which is always quite fun. I can imagine. And told me not to speak. Really? Yes. This is the greatest thing. Let me do the talking sort of thing. <laughs> well, it was like, don't let them know that you're an American. You know, normally you walk in an apartment, you go, "Oh, I love it! It's great!" Yeah, <gasps> this view, this this stove, this kitchen is going to be great. You know, but、uh, it was like, like be quiet. If they if they hear you're an American or British or whatever, then they'll come back with a higher price. Okay, because there's no sign that says twelve hundred dollars a month. Sure, it's it's, it's all negotiated. Depend, and the guy that we knew、uh, knew a guy of a guy. And 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 it was like when you see the apartment, don't react at all. Just look at the apartment, and Sarv would talk in Farsi, and that would be fine, you know. And then,、uh, and then if you like the apartment, give me a call, and I'll call the other guy of the guy, and we'll we'll come up with a price. <laughs> so it was quite fun. It wasn't like it wasn't your. There's no there's no, no. Pay, there's no credit app, no paper. Yeah. There's a paper. There's a real lease to sign, but that that says it quite an experience too, because the owner, this is my experience. The owner wants to meet you. The person who actually owns the apartment building wants to meet you. They want to see if you're. This is how. This is the credit app. Is is a physical face to、mix. face. So、uh, the guy shows us the apartment. We like it. We call the guy, the other guy, and he. They come up with a roundabout price, and then it's like, okay, we're going to go to this office and we're going to meet the owner and have tea. So we show up, and the tea's going, and everyone's just sort of sitting around. There's no, there's no, there's no.、Uh, 
you know, there's no clear document to sign or anything. There's nothing clear about what's going on. And we're there like 45 minutes. And then one guy gets on the computer and says, okay, oh, okay, this is the address on the lease. Okay, we're actually going to get to this lease signing here. Yeah. Uh, so there's no sign, you know, sign on first month free, nothing of that. No, no, no. You just start no. paying rent. And then the guy shows up every month on the 8th and we give him cash and we, he signs a piece of paper. So renting an apartment in Turkey is very simple to do. So I go down there for three weeks to open up this apartment with Saf. Then her friends comes to visit to keep her company when I'm not there. Was it furnished or are you buying yeah, it? Yeah, no, totally, totally furnished. Totally. Oh. Furnished with internet, swimming pool, elevator, 375 a month. Oh, you're kidding me. 375 bucks a month. Wow. Half a mile from the Mediterranean. Wow. Four coffee shops open till midnight on the corner, selling euros and sal- tabbouleh salad oh for almost nothing. And then a farmer's market at the end of the street. Yeah. And that, so you've, it's been over a year, right? That yeah, in there. fact, our, our lease has just run out, but we're waiting for the embassy. So we've asked the guy for another month and he said, oh, sure. So yeah, the embassy. Now, yeah. now you... Um, all right, so tell me the rest. Yeah, so, sorry, so, right. so, um, so, um, the very early on in this relationship, I said to Sarv, you know, I, I was willing to rent an apartment and everything, and I, you know, yeah, I said, hey, why don't we get married? Will you marry me? Come and live with me and start your new life in America. And she was like, whoa. <laughs> A great, great answer. What is you know? But then a few hours later, she said, "I will marry you. I'd love to marry you." And I was like, "Really?" And she's like, "Yeah." So I said, "Okay." When I get back to the states, and I'm gonna find a lawyer, and we'll do it. And we'll do it. And I know of fiancé visas. It's not an un- unknown thing. Yeah. So I found an Iranian lawyer in San Francisco that specialized in. People from Iraq, Afghanistan, and uh, Iran to get their paperwork through the system. Yeah, and he's Irani too. And uh, so uh, I hired him, and we started the paperwork, which should have taken less time. But Saab said this is going to take a long time. I said, No, no. The lawyer said six months. He's like, No, yeah. nothing. No, no, nothing no. Nothing takes. Six months doesn't take six no, months. No, no, no. So here we are, it's 13 months later. Yeah. And she's been living in the apartment, and I've been visiting five times since I rented the apartment. Yeah. And, uh, but we, we just recently got word from our lawyer that everything got approved and finalized, and now we have to go to an embassy for an interview. Mm. And uh, Saab wanted to go to Abu Zabi, as she calls it, or Abu Dhabi, um, because that was a fr- that's a friendlier U.S. embassy for Iranis. It's kind of in that community. So they're familiar with Iranians, and yeah, they because don't have the, some... uh, there's there's not that many embassies in the area that you know would even experience Iranians coming in and talking. Yeah, yeah. So Abu Dhabi, you know, uh, uh, United Arab Emirates is very cosmopolitan. Yeah, U.S. has got a large embassy there. Um, so we requested Abu Dhabi um, because Saab was like, no, I know people have been at Abu Dhabi. They're a lot friendlier. Um, it's okay, but we ended up with Ankara, central Turkey, the capital, which is fine. Yeah. Um, 
So I'm heading back there next week and going to take a whole lawyer's briefcase full of documents and banks and wow. real estate and support documents and affidavits. And, and it hangs in the balance, right? There's someone who has a stamp at the other end of that conversation who can say yay or nay. Yeah, a, a, a K-1 fiancé visa is not... It sounds straightforward when you get the, okay, you submit documents, you get approved, they give you the visa. Mm. Or you submit documents, they don't feel that this is okay, and they say, sorry, we decline. So back in December, we got the news that my application was accepted for a K-1 fiancé visa. And what we thought was... That you guys... We got the visa. We're great. All we got to do now is wait for the embassy to say, come and pick it up. But Sarf said, no, no, uh, there's going to be an interview. I know it. I know it. And I said, I'm approved. We're approved. Mm. Not we're approved. I'm approved. So all my documents... Basically, my government said... You can have a (laughs) fiancé. You you can have a fiancé come to the country and... uh, and if you guys get married, she can stay. Okay, fair enough. Um, her v- part of the visa has was accepted based on just the paperwork. Her 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 university, sure. um, her 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 all of her paperwork's panning out. And nothing seems strange, and she was never convicted of a serious crime. Right. Because you have to get police reports. Sure. We had to get a police report from Turkey too, hmm. for the embassy to prove that she hadn't been found. You know, in arrears of any sort of yeah. Law she hasn't. You know. You know, got caught shoplifting in Turkey. Sure. And yeah. So she's got a clean record. We both clean. I've never cheated the government for taxes, hmm. which if you've ever stiffed the government with taxes, there's no way you're going to get a K one visa. Really? Yeah. They're digging through it, huh? They're yeah, they dig through everything. Have you ever? Yes. Um, personal stuff is fine. Yeah. You know? But if you've ever cheated the government or tried to swindle the US government out of taxes, they get you, huh? Uh, they'll be like, nope, not giving you that visa. I mean, just the fact that you took that sort of love at first sight sort of thing is a real phenomenon. You know, uh, it's hard to prove that that is what happened to you for sure. I, I get it. But that you would then, on your first real date, as an eight-day holiday together in a foreign city to which neither of you have ever been. <laughs> Boy, that seems like proof to me. You know, that, I mean, if you can prove that you're both in the same room the whole time, uh, uh, one wasn't staying at another hotel, I just think, man, that's a that's head first. That's a real, uh, that's a test. Okay, so the first day was eight days. Yeah. The second day was 12 days in Bodrum. In the a, third day was an apartment. And, and the third day was renting an apartment together. <laughs> That's the relationship. You're talking about speed dating. Good Lord, man. That's Third so day, we're living together. Yeah. <laughs> wow. The fourth, but, you know, and, and into the third day, we've got a lawyer to get visas. Yeah. Uh, Proposing so marriage. So we can marry, them. yeah. I mean, that's... Yeah. Whew. That's some powerful, to have something as powerful as love now sitting in the hands of a stamp. Yeah, so this gets back to the embassy. Apparently the embassy, well, the embassy's got to protect its its decision making. Totally get it. And 
we did actually apply for a, a, a British visa just for her to visit. Mm. Um, but the, her British visa was denied because they feared that she was trying to come in the country and then claim refugee status. Oh. Yeah. From persecution or, sure. or faith or political. Um, because, you know, Sarf says herself, you know, there's a lot of people trying to get out of Iran and a lot of countries that are feeling pressure from everywhere, North Africa, everywhere, to, uh, to bring people in, you know? Yeah. And uh, in, in, uh, from, from the Irani community perspective, well, there's lots of people knocking on the door, so it's kind of easy to knock, oh, well, that's Iran. We, we, no, there's nowhere we're going to consider them, you know? Sure. They're an easy one to kick, kick aside. Right. And uh, it's really difficult. And to, to put this all in perspective, um, I think 13 months. So, yeah, I remember when you came back and were like, hey, I've fallen in love with this girl from Iran. Uh, and it was like a week later, we're like, oh, and fuck, Trump is now the president. You know, oh, it was just yes, like the worst. Right. <laughs> just go. That's <laughs> right. January, the, uh, the Iran gets on the six. Yeah, like yeah. It's like he's being sworn in as you're, you know, filling out paperwork. I mean, just could not be a worse scenario for openness in this country. You know, with the guy at the helm who's literally talking about building walls and kicking Muslims out and banning Muslims. I mean, Jesus. What, what he really did is, is not that he signed any, it's not that he signed like Iranis can't come here, right. but he put such a lot of confusion. Like even my lawyer said, I have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. We have no idea what this president's going to say. That's what we, every we sector. We have no idea what this yeah. president's going to wake up tomorrow and say, no, I've asked Justice Department or State Department to... Uh, ban any people coming in from Iran for the sure. indefinite future doesn't matter what reason so all of this whole uh, visa thing that was going on this time last year um, there was a few exceptions um, one of them was diplomatic of course right. which always gets an exception right. the other one was there was in the second or third round of what he proposed was well if you have if you already have a connection with somebody or some entity or university or business, then you can still go through the process. But if you're just somebody that says, I want to come, uh, you know, yeah, I, I, you're I, off the list. Can yeah. Uh, my name's uh, Fashid and I want to visit America for two weeks to go shopping in New York. It's like, you're not, nope. you're never going to get a visa. You don't know anybody here. You know, again, an easy, an easy group to kick aside. Sure, you know? sure. And it plays well into people's fears, you know. Yeah. Yeah, we should keep Iranis out, Afghanis out, yep, Syria. Yeah, let's keep them all out because they're really, so that's a real problem for us. You have a genuine love story. I mean, you were in love with this woman that you, you know, I saw her standing there. I mean, it's an yeah. old thing you know you saw this woman you fell in love you've got this 
And I'm sure it's not just been a, a fairy tale romance. It's got to be difficult being eight thousand miles apart and com- communicating via Skype. And you know, I mean, and you go there and you say, "This is hopefully this is the last time I'll leave oh, you here." And it's been five more times. And yeah, five more times. saying, "I think I'm going to hear something soon," and you don't. And you don't. Yeah. So. And, and then there's financial. Yeah. I mean, it's it's relatively cheap to rent an apartment. But it's not but nothing. You, but you add everything up. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's a that's an income. It doesn't. Yeah, it, it doesn't make financial sense to do a lot of things in life that we actually do. But well, it doesn't make financial sense for you to yeah spend money on your red house yes and stop working. No, it does not make any financial sense at all. But that's uh, some of the best sense out there. I think is nonsense. Yes, yeah, it's, it's the funnest, anyhow. But I, I just, I really, uh, I hope love wins today for you and for Sarv. I really look forward to meeting her. Yeah, be, you will. That could be soon. I, 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 I mean, I'm, I'm believing it's going to happen. Yeah. Because my lawyer says there's nothing, there's nothing really, there's nothing fishy, there's nothing that doesn't smell right, there's nothing bogus. By the time this podcast comes out, you'll know. All right. Yeah. So we're we'll we're looking into the future. You know, I'll, when I do the intro for this, I'll hopefully be able to say. Um, maybe I'll leave it for Tiffany to say at the very end of the podcast. Yeah. And the story ends. <laughs> Question mark. Yes. Thanks, man. Sure. Thanks for doing this. Sure. This is quite interesting. doesn't matter to me if you stuck around for the whole thing or just skipped ahead to hear me. Either way, I'm just glad you're here. I have the privilege of telling you how this story ends. But first, I want to say a big thank you to a few people. Emily Thomas in New Orleans, we love you. Tim and Susie Myers, your friendship means the world to us. Thank you for being so generous. And to all of our Patreon subscribers, we appreciate every bit of you. I hope we don't let you down. And to all of the friends and family who have been sharing our posts on Facebook and Instagram, it helps. It really helps. Okay, so JT and Sarvanas are going to the embassy this week. I hoped we would have an answer for you today, but sadly, we haven't heard back yet. We will post a note on the Patreon page so others can hear the whole episode spoiler-free. Thanking you! (laughs) 